Welcome to Crunching Tackles, where we break down the hardest hitting social issues in sports. On today's show, we dive into the complex and fascinating world of esports, discussing its growth, reputation, and future. How do esports compare to traditional sports? Do we even define esports as sports? All that and more is coming up on today's show. My name is Chad Wiley, and with me is John Nekrasov. John, how are you this week? Chad, I'm doing fairly well. Um, you know, the summer's kind of getting into its groove, I guess, after a bit of a tumultuous time and just taking some rest after the craziness of school. Um, but I'm settling in, you know, building some houses in Minecraft every so often watching lots of TV, taking walks as much as I can. Um, we broke out the, uh, the table tennis table in our garage this week and you know, hit a few balls around the garage, which has been a welcome change um, to just uh, – I don't even know why we didn't play very much over quarantine. We just kind of forgot it even existed. And then we were like, wait, why wouldn't we be doing this? And so that's kind of been a nice, like, re-addition, I guess, to our family life. Um, aside from that, honestly, it's just been kind of a lot of the same. Um, you know, the days kind of run together, but I'm kind of glad that things are starting to reopen and, you know, we've got some sports back and we've got the Premier League coming back in a little bit, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but you know, it's times are strange right now and we've got a lot going on in the world, but it's nice to be here and just talk a little bit about sports and some goofy stuff. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's been a good week, been delivering people their food watching true crime with my wife, which is a normal <laughs> sentence I just said two weeks into marriage. Unbelievable. Which is, that's still surreal. But yeah, it's been a good week. I, uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation because John, if people have turned on their TVs in the past you know, month or so and flipped to ESPN, they might find ESPN digging into some creative ways to entertain people. And so some of the things they might've seen would be Snoop Dogg playing Madden or Blake <laughs> Snell playing MLB The Show or a guy like Devin Booker playing NBA 2K. And esports have never been as prominent as they are now. Not just the sporting games like Madden and 2K, but real esports that are competitions that people do that most people still are being introduced to, but the people who know about them are obviously very, very passionate about them. And so we wanted to talk about esports, not just because of COVID-19 and the fact that we're in quarantine and there are no live sports right now, but because in many ways, the trends are showing that esports could be the future of entertainment. But before we get into that, John, I just have to ask you, because this is something that everyone is going to debate. Are esports actually sports? See, for a long time, like growing up, we played a lot of chess in my house, as I'm sure you can guess, um, being a family of Russian descent, you know, it's just kind of what you grew up with. And my dad was always adamant that chess was a sport. And I was always adamant that chess was not a sport. Um, interestingly, the Olympics recognizes chess as a sport, as we've discussed previously on the show. Um, but the world of esports, I think, is kind of like that a little bit. You know, there's you tune your reflexes, um, you tune your mind in a way that you don't necessarily do in a regular sport or you do it to a different degree. But there's obviously a lack of that kind of 
intense physical element that we kind of associate with the sports world. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm on the fence. Like a few years ago, I'd have said, absolutely not. Esports are not a sport. Get that out of here. It's ridiculous. But I don't know. The, the world is kind of changing. You know, like we think about all those weird, like sci-fi movies, like WALL-E, where like, you know, like combine like Wii sports with real sports. And that's just like the sports world we live in. Like in 300 years, I wouldn't be shocked if all of our sports, even if they maintain a physical nature in some kind of sci-fi world, are all like somehow electronic in nature. Um, so I don't know. I'd like to say one thing now, but like, you know, in the future, who knows what's going to happen. I'm kind of like, I don't want to be just like with Erling Holland, you know, I don't want to be left behind by the, the waves of the future. <laughs> I, I challenge anyone to come up with a better definition of sports than what I have. And this has been, been years in the making and years okay, well, in the changing and evolving. Let's hear it. And I, I finally, I have made the perfect definition of a sport. I don't believe you, but let's, let's try it. A sport mm-hmm. has three components. All a right. score or metric of winning. Mm-hmm. Strategy. Yeah. And a specialized physical skill. Ooh, okay. And that is where esports fails the definition. So, so because okay, continue. Because pushing buttons on a controller or on a keyboard is not necessarily a specialized physical skill. It does require some hand-eye coordination, but in the same way that the physical skill of moving a chess piece from one square to the next, that's not a specialized physical skill, and neither is the physical act of pushing buttons on your controller. And so because of that, esports, in my opinion, would not be a sport. Okay, so I think the issue we have here with that argument, right? Chess is one thing, right? Because you could sit there and make a move every 40 minutes, right? In some tournament modes, and you're just kind of sitting there and you're just thinking. Like that's the entirety of the game, right? Esports, a lot of the argument is that you are making a ridiculous amount of physical motions like independent physical movements with your hands directed by your hand-eye coordination right that is probably roughly comparable to what an athlete's doing in terms of the amount of fine-tuning they're having to do they're fine-tuning less things right it's mostly your hands but you could make an argument that the mental awareness might be roughly the same in terms of that mental Nature being translated into a physical action, right? Because it's not like you're just thinking about it and then pushing buttons. It's like you're having to respond to instantaneous things on a screen and sometimes multitask multiple different things at the same time and then move. So I don't know if I would say that it doesn't require, and we'll get into this later, there is a degree of physical preparation that is required for esports. So I don't know. I think I would contest that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen you know, an esport athlete training. I don't know what that looks like. I know that, you know, when I'm playing FIFA, I don't feel like, you know, the combinations I'm doing are super difficult. But maybe that's why I'm a really bad FIFA player. In the first place. <laughs> that's why I beat you most of the time. <laughs> but regardless of that, you know, I do think that my definition is perfect. And so if we debate that third part about whether or not it's a specialized physical skill, that's something that, you know, I just as someone who hasn't really watched it a lot, I might not mm-hmm. see where that kind of level of hand-eye coordination comes, comes into play. 
you know, among among this the sports that are kind of on the borderline of my definition would include stuff like esports, stuff like even NASCAR or horse racing, where you know the jockey is not doing. You know, that's kind of debatable. The, is, mm. is 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 driving a specialized physical? Those are kind of the ones that are on the line for me. Right. But that's to be a separate podcast. But as we really dive into esports. You know, we are a sports podcast, so at some point we're understanding that whether or not esports is a sport, it is affecting the traditional sports market in a big way, and it's going to continue to in the long run. So, John, those who watch and follow esports already know where esports is going, but for those of us who might not really know or might not even know what esports is, just how big is this industry getting in this global world that we live in? Yeah. So personally, speaking for myself, um, you know, the world of specifically esports is not something that I'm individually involved in, but like a lot of Americans and people worldwide, I do spend quite a lot of time video gaming and right. That, that trend is what this entire sporting movement is coming from. Um, according to the Entertainment Software Association, in the USA alone, 164 million adults play video games, which, you know, TV stats is way higher than that. But still, that's just in America. That's roughly a third of the American population, even more than that, almost half, um, play video games. And, you know, I spend, I would guess, probably five hours, like, in a vacation week, five to six hours a week playing video games. And, you know, across the board, it's an entertainment industry that over the past few decades has really astronomically increased um, from a, a non-existent entity into something that's constantly in the public mind. And I guess it's a perfect example of kind of how the gaming industry as a whole is becoming a sport almost is the very popular game Fortnite. Obviously, if you exist in the modern world, you probably at some point have heard of Fortnite. It exploded. I guess it was my freshman year, um, 2017 into 2018. Um, and just everyone was playing it. I even played a couple times. I wasn't very good, but you know, it was this game where, you know, you're trying if you've watched it at all, if you've played it at all, you know the concept where you're trying to escape a storm and wipe everyone else out in this battle royale format, right? And it was a very casual thing, and lots of people were playing it, and YouTubers like um, Ninja, who is commonly known, but his actual name is Tyler Blevins, became super popular, and he's now like the most popular gaming YouTuber currently with you know, getting an income of like $15 million a year. Um, but that game's popularity increased so much that it entered the esports genre as like a competition with World Cups and people playing each other and million dollars in prize money, which we'll discuss I think, a little bit more later. But, you know, you have this gaming industry feeding into a world of esports that has legitimate competitions with teams that are paid professionally, um, that spend their entire lives um, playing video games as their income. Um, and kind of the YouTubing industry is 
probably the more high profile thing in our modern world where a lot of people like PewDiePie kind of really have made their name. But that kind of gaming streaming industry is playing into this broader world of esports where more and more um, athletes, quote unquote, and a whole ton of different games are, you know, spending their livelihoods and earning their livelihoods playing video games. And I think it's a fascinating kind of development that's happened over the past couple decades. And it's really, it's odd. Like I didn't even know for the longest time, like just how professionalized so much of video games were. Yeah. To kind of use the traditional sports analogy to clarify what you're talking about, John, if you compare video games to the game of basketball, then you would say, you know, the video game itself is like me going to play basketball with my friends. You know, right. that's not, it's, it's, it's the same activity, but it's not really, you know, at the same level. And then someone like Ninja, who is, who's a streamer, not an esport athlete, but a streamer, that's kind of like, to use the same analogy, the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. They're largely entertainment. They're largely about showmanship and performance using a basketball the same as me in my neighborhood gym. And then the actual esports would be what the, the comparison would be like the NBA. Mm-hmm. So it kind of trickles down like that. You know, streaming is not quite esports on the same level of competition, but they're all encompassed under this big idea of video games, which is just everyone who, to use the analogy, that's just like everyone who plays basketball. But to just kind of, hit on a couple things about just how big this industry is getting. Business Insider reported that uh, in 2019, there were 454 million total esports viewerships in 2019. And based on their rate of growth, that's going to go up to 646 million people watching esports in 2023. According to Forbes, if esports continues to grow at its current rate, the total revenue could go up to $2.3 billion within three years, which would be more than events like Formula One or the entire UEFA Champions League. Mm -hmm. As of right now, the prize money for Dota 2, the international tournament, is already two times larger than the prize money for the UEFA Europa League, which is the second highest European soccer competition. Um, according to esportsearnings.com, the international 2019, that Dota 2 tournament, had a total prize pool of over $34 million for the 18 teams and 90 players who participated in this event. So when we talk about esports, we're talking about hundreds of millions of viewers and millions of millions of dollars in prize money. This is not a fringe thing anymore, John. This is a big-time entertainment market that is going to be here for a long time. But the question is, will they ever actually be more popular than real sports like the NFL or the NBA or global soccer? Is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question because – you know, the, this pandemic and social distancing is kind of, you know, raising some questions about how esports might grow, given the fact that, you know, sports 
haven't been able to play for so long. And given the fact that, you know, fans may not be in stadiums until 2021, um, you know, the sports world is going to change. And that has affected esports because they do have in-person tournaments where, you know, people all play in the same place and fans can go and watch in arenas and stuff. But, you know, we have seen, for example, um, Time did a story on esports during quarantine, and it said that Twitch views went up 31% in March. And if you aren't familiar with Twitch, it is a streaming website owned by Amazon where a lot of gamers will stream their um, gameplay. And they all have usually like a video of themselves talking while they're playing. Um, And so gaming as a whole, you know, the views of gaming was increasing during quarantine. And so I think it's interesting because some people have talked in terms of discussing the whole gaming industry and the esports industry about how much more personal it is, you know, where you get a lot more interaction with the actual athletes. It's not just, you know, with someone within the gaming world with someone like PewDiePie or Ninja, it's not just like you're watching them play, right? It's like the equivalent of watching Kevin Durant play basketball and he's narrating the entire NBA game to you in person as he's playing. And there was an example of this. um, I think in an MLB spring training game, I forget who it was, but we were dying laughing in our news office uh, sometime this year and where like, I think players were like kind of narrating what was happening as they were playing. Do you remember that? Yeah. So it was a spring training game on an ESPN broadcast with the Chicago Cubs. And they had two players, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, along with the manager, David Ross, mic'd up for the entirety of the game. So, you know, as Chris Bryant is fielding from third base, he's talking to the commentators or when Anthony Rizzo is up to bat, he literally says at the plate, I'm looking for a fastball and then hits a fastball to left field, you know, and it's just, it's access that you don't see very often. An even more recent example was with the match on Sunday with Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, where you're hearing their banter and you're hearing them talk and you're hearing Phil Mickelson tell Tom Brady, you know, this is how your putt's going to turn or talking about, you know, if I hit my chip right here, it's going to roll this way. And, it's just access that traditional sports broadcasts don't often give us. Yeah. So, you know, when you have someone like, yeah. So when you have someone like PewDiePie, right. Who has 150 million subs, like the most subscribed person on YouTube, he's not an esports athlete. Right. But his level of interaction with his fans means that he has a personality that, drives interaction in the way that someone like Kevin Durant, for example, again, I don't know why I'm picking on him. His name just keeps coming to mind. Um, Someone like him doesn't get that same degree of fan interaction, even if he has more followers on Instagram or something, because, you know, you don't, you don't know him as well, right? You get to see him in press conferences. You get to see what he posts on social media, but you don't get to hear him talking for hours on end, right? which is something that happens in the gaming world. And so I think that personality 
is going to feed a lot into the growth of gaming as a whole because people just they love video games first of all and they love getting to know celebrities and it kind of provides a capacity for both um but i think in terms of the competitive esports industry which kind of i guess feeds off that but isn't the same as we talked about i think it really depends on how technological our society gets over time. I think as long as we exist in the current kind of semi-technological existence that we have right now, where it's kind of a blend of a digitized world and a physical world, I don't think esports will ever replace sports in our mind, like within our generation or our kids' generation. But I can see in a few generations, you know, a world where if you know, Amazon drones are delivering things for us and we don't leave the home all the time and, you know, remote assistants are doing things for us where it's not just like asking Alexa to do things like to answer questions for you, but Amazon Alexa is doing things for you around the house or series like helping drive your car. I can see a world where, you know, maybe we'll start to think physical sports, the distinction between physical sports and esports, just like, that distinction will blur in regular life. Maybe that distinction will blur in physical sports too. But I think that's going to be like, in terms of, we're talking about cultural issues on this podcast. In terms of actual culture, I don't think the need for quote unquote physical sports will ever go away or go below esports until we reach a point where our physical nature is fully merged with our electronic nature. Yeah, when when you said, um, what was I going? Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, John. When I think about why esports have become so popular and how it's going to impact traditional sports, I go back to what you said a couple minutes ago about the idea of Twitch and streaming, and esports really came into the market at the exact right time with the cord cutting movement where people no longer are willing to pay what they pay for traditional cable. And you see more and more things going to streaming, Twitch, YouTube, things like that that aren't even behind paywalls make it so easy and so accessible to get this content that traditional sports still doesn't give us. You either have to pay for a cable subscription or a paid streaming service like ESPN Plus, YouTube TV, things like that. But either way, it's becoming more difficult to get access to live traditional sports while esports is being overly intentional to make this content as accessible as possible for free on the internet through streaming services and that really has contributed to their rise and so the i think the primary way when we talk about culture that i see esports impacting the mainstream sports landscape is i see a world where the nfl is not negotiating their contract with nbc for sunday night football they're negotiating it with youtube or netflix Mm -hmm. or twitch or amazon prime or one of these streaming services, you know, that is becoming more and more of the future as people are becoming dissatisfied with cable when they're happy with on-demand binge watching. And so I really do see a world in where 
traditional sports markets are looking at that and saying, that's a market we need to tap into as well. Yeah. And well, the fact is, you know, that, that reality is already here to a degree. Um, you know, Amazon is already broadcasting some NFL games um, in England. They're broadcasting the Premier League games, uh, quite a few of them. And, you know, that means that some people are annoyed because some games are behind Amazon Prime paywalls. Other games are, you know, they used to be behind their TV paywalls and now they have to add an extra paywall to watch on Amazon some games. And so that's causing issues, right? But these sports leagues are having to determine, you know, where are they going to get their fans from? You know, like, for example, I don't think I've had actual cable TV in years. Like we have had streaming internet TV for as long as I can remember, really. And, you know, if sports went to a point where I could watch the Premier League as easily on YouTube as I can watch a Ninja video or a PewDiePie video, I'll never subscribe to TV again, you know? So it'll be fascinating to see, like, if esports get to a point where they're drawing in as many fans as your average soccer game, you know, will sports league, actual sports leagues have to respond by making things more and more free. I think it's a really interesting point. I think that that competition as esports grow may become a lot more apparent as time goes on. Yeah. And I'm curious, John, have you thought of maybe any other ways that the esports model could have an impact on traditional sports? Um, I think one thing that could become a little bit more apparent is the partnerships between regular sports and esports. Um, and so it's something that's becoming apparent already. Um, you know, you think about people like Ninja, you know, are doing Twitch streams with legitimate athletes, right? Not legitimate. The people like Ninja are doing Twitch streams with, you know, actual sports athletes. Yeah. And they know each other well and they're playing together. They're popularizing things. But beyond that, actual like soccer clubs, like with FIFA, for example, which is the biggest sports esport, actual soccer clubs have esports divisions of their teams now. Like Nashville Soccer Club which, you know, is my hometown, my new home team, have their own pro or semi-pro FIFA player already. Like we literally just officially founded our MLS franchise and we already have someone who is our esports division, right? And that shows that like even on the small scale, sports teams are starting to realize like, you know, if we can get a share of the esports market, maybe instead of kind of being pushed out by esports maybe we can find some kind of way to collaborate with esports right and so naturally with sports video games that kind of provides an easy way to step into the market in a way that otherwise they might see as a danger you know yeah the things that we've seen during <laughs> quarantine like the fifa tournament with uh, with soccer players or the mm. NBA 2K tournament with NBA players, or maybe even most notably the iRacing competitions with NASCAR on Sundays. Those may be things that continue after we go back to normal sporting life. Like you mentioned with Ninja, you know, there's a famous 
uh, stream with Juju Smith-Schuster, the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, and Drake, the rapper, and Ninja, mm-hmm. all playing Fortnite together. Or, you know, you see uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic on Instagram. Every time he gets a number one victory royale, he's posting it on his Instagram. You know, these are things that athletes are doing. And, John, you know, a guy like Ninja makes about $15 million a year, and that's still far less than the most – highest paid traditional athletes. You know, that list kind of came out today, actually, for highest paid in 2019. Roger Federer made $106.3 million uh, this past year, not only in tournament winnings, but in endorsements. You know, he famously left Nike to sign a massive over $80 million a year endorsement with a Chinese apparel company. But, uh, you know, esports players aren't quite at that level but it seems like they have been moving at a more accelerated rate. You know, tennis has been around for decades and decades, and that's how much Roger Federer has been making. You know, to make $15 million a year in only your third or fourth year of existence, that's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. I think, on the other hand, though, I think that, you know, these gamers are making a lot of money, right? But I think the fact that they're, is still less money in here and it's a little bit more personalized right especially from the youtube side you know and even from the professional gaming side um you know there's almost a degree of more relatability i think to some of these esports players right someone like pewdiepie for example you know they've just built their youtube channel right through a personality through being decently good at video games and You know, for us, like, obviously he makes way more money than we ever will, but there's a degree of, I think, of authenticity in kind of that gaming world of, even with all the stigma and stereotypes surrounding gaming, that almost kind of puts them at our level compared to the world of professional athletics, where someone like Fed, who makes $100 million a year, you know he doesn't feel that close to you. And I think that degree of relatability added onto that, like constant dialogue and engagement that happens through places like YouTube mean that I think esports, honestly, even though the money will be increasing, I think right now, the fact that it is making less money is almost an asset at the same time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And to kind of just, uh, summarize this first part of our conversation, John. When we look at the way that esports has affected culture, the two things that come to mind to me are uh, things the one that I mentioned about streaming, but also the one that you mentioned about access. You know, the idea of streaming means that not only are you watching the person play, which we do in traditional sports, but they're talking to you the entire time while they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that can be good or that can lead to controversy, you know. We saw Kyle Larson, the NASCAR driver, you know, he talked a little too much during a stream and has not been allowed to race since for using a racial slur. So obviously that there is a dangerous line there, but when we see traditional sports do that mic'd up feature on a golf course or on a baseball field, those are both things that culturally bring fans closer to the players. They create a deeper level of connection, a deeper level of interest. These are the things that fans want to see. 
mm-hmm. rather than hear the announcer talk about what the player's doing. How much cooler is it to hear the player talk about it themselves? And that's thing that's something that I think sports fans are going to continue to clamor for and continue to want. Yeah, I mean, you think about the last dance, right? I still haven't seen it. I will see it because I have ESPN now. But you think about why it's so popular, right? Regardless of your opinions on its objectivity and how good of a documentary it was in terms of journalism, right? It was popular because you have Michael Jordan himself chiming in on his own career, right? It's not someone, a journalist who talked to Michael Jordan saying, Jordan thinks this, Jordan thinks that. Jordan himself is giving his opinions on what's going on. And that, even if a documentary like that provides just Jordan's opinion and fluff, right? People will still watch it because it's Jordan saying the fluff, right? And so I think that effect across sports is something that translates really well to esports, like you said. It's an interesting point. Well, and I think I think we'll leave that conversation there, John. Um, obviously, we'll continue to watch where where esports go. I'm still just dipping my toe into the idea of Twitch and just starting to decide if that's something I want to get involved in. But a lot of my friends are involved in, you know, League or Overwatch or uh, even Fortnite. My brother's been playing a lot of Call of Duty Warzone, and you know, that's something that you know. I've been able to watch my brother play. He's playing with all of his friends. They're having a lot of fun. You know, he comes downstairs screaming when he gets his first first place in Warzone. And it's like, you know, yeah, this is actually cool. And I really do see it continuing to affect culture. Shout out to my brother, Eric, your first ever victory on Warzone. But yeah, that's a world that, you know, he's a 18 year old kid and that's, you know, that's where they're going. That's where our age is going. That's where the future's going too. So I think we'll leave that conversation there. And when we come back, John and I will be back with VAR Corner, giving out our clear and obvious errors this week. And we are back with VAR Corner, our clear and obvious errors this week. John, who is your VAR Corner review going to? So this week, honestly, like, I wasn't that angry at the sports world. It was kind of odd. Like, there wasn't anything that, like, drew my anger. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that, you know, there's plenty to be angry about in life right now. And so I just haven't found my anger directed at the sports world. But as I was reading some news... Something just stuck out to me, and I said, you know what? This level of stupidity cannot go unpunished. Um, And first of all, for some background, um, in the Danish league, the Danish soccer league, one team, AGF, um, decided to basically stream in 10,000 fans through this giant Zoom watch party. And they had these screens set up in the stands where people could, you know, like cheer and they would be like shown briefly on the screen. And, you know, like players would be playing with these fans on digital stands, basically. And I think that's so cool. I think it's a great way to connect with players, great way for the players to connect with the fans, for you to feel like you're a part of your team. But in the subtext, it says that, you know, naturally there's going to be stupid people in every football club, in every crowd, there's always someone who's going to be dumb. And apparently two people 
were removed from the Zoom call for deciding to expose themselves <laughs> to the Zoom call. <laughs> and I understand that you're going to be stupid. Like, there's going to be stupid people, like I said. But seriously, like, why? Why would you do this? What is your goal, goal, your motivation in publicly shaming yourself to the world in this time of global tragedy? That's all I'm going to say. You know, it's a, it's a disgrace. But in reality, it's just dumb. I'm just like, it just amazes me how stupid people are sometimes. And like you're getting a rare privilege to like exactly this. Like no one else is doing this. And you're just like, you feel the need to somehow still draw attention to yourself. Like shame on you. That is that's random Danish people. I don't know who you are, but get your life together. John, my VAR corner is a little tricky because on the one hand, I will take any version of the NBA and NHL resuming. Like, give me the live sports now or later, just soon. I want it. I need it. But I'm going to want my cake and eat it too because not only do I want sports to return, I'm unhappy with the way they're returning and I feel okay in voicing my frustration. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. The NBA and the NHL both announced their return to play playoff formats. The NHL announced a 24-team playoff where the first four seeds in the conference get a bye and seeds 5 through 12 have to play each other. The NBA announced a 22-game playoffs where seeds 8 through 11 in each conference have to go into a four-team play-in tournament, basically, to get the eighth spot. And to be frank, that is ridiculous and unfair to the teams that have already worked hard enough to clinch a playoff spot. Every single NHL team has played at least 68 out of the 82 games, which is only 14 left. Every team in the NBA has played at least 64 out of the 82 games. And so yet we're going to allow non-playoff teams the chance to, you know, knock out the teams that earned a playoff spot through 75% of the regular season. You know, if we're going to say that the regular season matters, it's not just the last 25% of the regular season matters. The first 75% does too. And in that first 75%, there were teams that stood out above the rest. You know, in the Western Conference of the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies have a three-and-a-half-point lead on the Portland Trailblazers for the eighth spot. They deserve to be in the playoffs. You know, same with Orlando. The Orlando Magic have a five-and-a-half game lead over the Washington Wizards. They deserve to be in that eighth playoff spot. And the fact that they're being forced to play in a play-in tournament against teams that, frankly, don't deserve to be there, to me, seems unfair. And if I were those fan bases, I would feel really hardly done. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's with all of these situations, right, it's complex to try to figure out how to solve this issue of finishing the season and not finishing the season and deciding whether you're just going to cancel the season and what's the best way to do things that make everyone happy. Um, I think, I think on the one hand, like I agree with you on the other, like 
are you just going to give them the playoff spot without like, if it's not guaranteed, how do you determine that they're not going to lose all of those next games right at the end of the season and throw away their playoff spot? Like it's a possibility, right? So like mathematically, if they haven't clinched a playoff spot, like I don't know how you solve it without making the other fan base mad too, you know? Right. Right. And yeah. And ultimately, you know, there's no such thing as who's in form or who has momentum right now. Like right. a two month break is going to get rid of all of your momentum, but you know, going to the same number of games that every team played and then cutting it off there and saying, you know, we played 75% of the season. Where do you stand? That seemed like the best way to do it. You know, especially in the NBA where the Lakers have essentially led the Western Conference for like the entire season, start to finish. Those playoff spots don't really change that often. The Milwaukee Bucks have been the best team in the Eastern Conference from start to finish. That hasn't really changed. And so it really does seem like it's uh, a situation where it's better to just do some warm-up games and then go straight into the playoffs as opposed to asking people to just resume a regular season. But yeah, I think we'll leave that conversation there for now, John. Um, obviously, we appreciate everyone tuning into this podcast. We hope that you let us know, uh, give us some feedback on our Twitter or our Instagram. Maybe you can answer the question for us, uh, is our eSports sports? And more mm-hmm. specifically, is there a better definition of sport than the one that I came up with? Because frankly, I'm very, very proud of my definition. But make sure to let us know what you guys think. Uh, We'll put out a post in a little bit asking for more topic ideas because we would love to talk about things that you guys are specifically interested in. Make sure to continue to subscribe to us on whatever app or device you are using to listen to this. And uh, John, if people want to leave us a review or a rating, where can they do that? Um, You can always leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and any of your other apps that allow for ratings and reviews. Um, and as always, just follow us on all our social media. Um, we're going to try to up our social media presence this summer as we kind of transition in life. And um, yeah, just stay tuned as we do all that and as we drop a new logo upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm excited. I've seen a couple of previews of it. John has been working with a graphic designer and I know that he's super excited to share this new logo with you guys. We are becoming as professional an institution as we possibly can. And uh, this logo is going to go a long way to hopefully, you know, when people are scrolling through their searching for podcasts and scrolling through their feeds, they will be able to find us and be like, hmm, this looks like some quality work. I want to give it five minutes. And then obviously in that first five minutes, they'll be hooked and they'll be lifelong fans forever. Right, John? Absolutely. I mean, with me, you know, my goal is to draw myself in as a podcast listener, right? Because I keep a very strict subscription policy for my podcasts i have i'm a little bit ocd about these things like i only allowed myself to be subscribed to the amount of podcasts that can fit on my screen without scrolling which for my app is 12 because otherwise i just don't listen to them i just have tons of podcasts that i'm not listening to that i'm subscribed to and they just give me anxiety because i want to listen to all of them and i can't so my goal right is for this logo to draw you the listener in so strongly that you will make us one of those 12 very special podcasts that you listen to no matter the time of day it comes out because I'm very inconsistent in my editing times. 
So take it from the unbiased source, John Nekrasov. Crunching Tacos is one of the 12 best podcasts you can ever listen to. That is the law of the land. It is final. <laughs> it is final. <laughs> Before we descend into any more chaos, John, I do think we'll leave it there. Thank you guys so much again. And until next week, we'll be back with more Crunching Tacos. Take care, everyone. Cheers, guys. Now I'm going to beat you in FIFA, Chad.